With Gary Ellerson as our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. All right, so uh, I am now uh, two days and change into Paula and the girls being down in Florida for a gymnastics meet. What? Yeah. I'm, what? I'm, it's me, Bachelor two dogs, six cats, and a lot of lonely nights. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, you know. Look, I I don't claim to be uh, the world's greatest dad. I do admit, though, that my life just basically revolves around the girls and Paula. I don't really, as Tausch is happy to tell everyone, I don't have many hobbies. I don't have, I have a lot of friends. I just never see them. Uh, so last night, I I forced myself. Rob Domofsky's uh, younger son, Roan, and the De Pere Redbirds were playing. You went out? Uh, uh, not too far from my house. So I went and saw them uh, beat Green Bay Preble by 42 points. Wow. So I saw Rob and his lovely wife, Jessica, and Wes Hodkowitz and Matt Schneidman. So we had a, we had a fun time. Uh, that was nice. But the absence of Paula and the girls may have influenced one of the questions that I asked at the press conference yesterday. So we get to the end. Jason Wallers, the VP of Communications, uh, sounds the two last two more questions alarm. And somebody asks one question, and then there's kind of this, nobody has anything right away. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to pass up. And you never want to leave questions on the table. It's like timeouts. You don't want to have timeouts in your pocket at the end of a game. Right, and, true. And, and, and so Jeff Halfley had mentioned that his wife Gina and their two daughters are still back in Boston and that he's been living at Lodge Kohler, and the benefit of that has been that he can really dive in. Like, he's got, he's got nothing else mm -hmm. now in Green Bay. He's here, so he's just in workaholic mode. And so I asked him, and it may have been influenced by my already loneliness that's setting in about not having his family here and how, when they when he intends for them to come to end the press conference. Here is that exchange. Jeff, I don't want the last question to be a dad question, but there's a bunch of them in here. Um, when do Gina and the girls, do they finish out the school year? Like, are you going to be living at Lodge Kohler for the next X number of months without them? Or how, how do you kind of balance the quality of life part with the getting to work on the football part. Well, I, I really appreciate you asking that because that's actually asking that actually really important, and I thank you for that. Um, yeah, that's hard. It's really hard. Um, I got an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old. I think this is the first move that the 8-year-old understands that we're moving. The 5-year-old just knows that the new team's the Packers, right? Um, so it's hard, and I'm very lucky to have a wife that understands. You know, she loved living in Boston. She had a great group of friends, and I'm moving and I inherit friends who are the coaches and I have something to do every day and now she's got to find new friends, she's got to, got to find a new place to live um, and she's got to do most of the moving so it's a lot harder on her than it is to me so I'm very grateful and I really appreciate her for that. Um, I'm going to get home this weekend and try to go back and forth as much as I can but that's about the best I can do right now um, but it's very important for me to be around her and the kids and you guys will see them around as much as possible because that's very important to me. So thank you for asking that question. So I think I scored some brownie points with the new defensive coordinator thanks to that question. No, he went back and merely asked uh, Matt LaFleur, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> who is that guy? 
And LaFleur gave him the 10 4 to run down on you. That's exactly what happened. Uh, he's the guy? guy that asks the longest questions, but I, you, seriously, you, you, you'll find out who's that guy. Uh, Gary, look, you're you're a dad. I know your kids are grown, and and you're super proud. I I, I do think that, and and I'm not I'm not making light of this, but if you're starting a new job and your family doesn't come right away because they're finishing out the school year in Boston, like it is great for him. Like it's great for him from a work perspective because. Like he said earlier in the press conference, he's got nothing to go home to other than a room at Lodge Kohler. Like, he can grind as much as he can to get to know this team as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, I got a seventh-grade basketball game to go to or whatever else I've got in my life. And so while the drawback is you're not with the people that you love, there's a huge positive from the work perspective. And and I, I thought that that was important because, let's be honest, he's got a lot of catching up to do. From a personnel right. perspective, he knows all about the ACC rosters of the uh, you know of Syracuse and North Carolina because that's where he was coaching. He wasn't coaching in the NFL, and as you mentioned earlier, the the line he had about what it's like to coach in college, which I also thought was fascinating, where he's not only recruiting but recruiting the guys that are already on his team to get them to stay, like. This is a whole new world, so this is probably a good thing from a work perspective that his family's not here, isn't it? Right. I felt like this is good for him. I, I must say this. His wife understands what this is, and she knows that this is not his last job. We know that this is not his last job. He may move four or five more times, but this is professional sports. We have players, too. Uh, where some players don't even bring their whole family with them. They elect to stay back maybe in their hometown, mm-hmm. and then they come and visit. Then there's some play because then there are some players who bring their families with them, and then they get indro- indoctrinated into the Green Bay lifestyle, and some coaches end up staying here uh, forever. So they know what that looks like. But for, for Halfley at this point in time, it feels like he is almost a breath of fresh air for him. What it sounds like that he can now get back and watch film, do what he loves to do. It just didn't feel like that. That's what he was doing at Boston college. Now his wife is not here so he can stay over at the facility as long as he want. Mm-hmm. Lodge Cole is not a bad place to live. No, it is pretty he nice. He can go over there. It's pretty nice over there. It's pretty swanky. He can go back over there and watch a little bit more film as well. But I'm sure a lot like yourself, though, you do miss your children. You do miss your wife. You do miss your family when you're away. And I'm sure you and you got two dogs. Two dogs, six cats. Yeah. And any birds? (laughs) No. uh, If we did, I think the cats might have taken care of them. No birds? Well, you got a cage. You can put them in a cage. Fair but I'm sure, you know, that he misses his family, and I'm sure they'll be here as soon. But a, a lot of coaches, though, they normally bring their family with them because they know 
they may be in a, in a coaching situation about four to five years. So that's their longevity. Yeah, and you're right. I know I had this conversation with Keyshawn Nixon during the season. Uh, his wife and kids stayed out in California, and they would come visit for a few mm-hmm. home game weekends. But the thought process was basically, and especially now with the pre, with the offseason program being more voluntary than when I first started covering the league, when it was voluntary and name only, and the coaches Correct. got really pissed if he didn't come. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he stays away from a good portion of the offseason program, so it actually works uh, pretty effectively mm-hmm. for him. All right, I want to get into more of what Matt LaFleur said about what this defense is going to look like because. Again, I I don't think he was married to any specific system or base defense, but he definitely had a vision for what he wanted it to look like, and we'll hear him describe that Mm -hmm. coming up next. Uh, There's a quick trip. When I drive to Lambeau Field almost every day during the season, uh, there's a quick trip on Lombardi Avenue that is right on my way, so I can swing in, I can get... A glazer or a dunker, depends on which donut mood I'm in. I can get my Karuba coffee. I can get everything that I need on my way to Lambeau Field. I personally am a fan of the turkey and Swiss sandwich on the cranberry bread. It's so good. Mm. Uh, so mm. here's, the, here's the reality. When it comes to Quick Trip, what I love about them is they have everything, and I mean everything, milk, eggs, butter, bread, all the daily essentials I could possibly need, especially in between those larger shopping trips. Heck, they even make half the products they sell, and that's a selling point enough in itself. So Quick Trip, it's do, they're doing everything, a, they're doing every one a solid with the Quick Trip Hot Savings this week. So listen up. Mm. Quick Trip has their Kitchen Cravings 12-ounce packs of bacon. Tausch has been raving about this all week. Ooh. On sale for just two forty nine. I saw it on the billboard on my drive to Lambo, and then I saw it at Quick Trip when I stopped there. Like Tausch needs another reason to stop at Quick Trip. Am I right? I'll stop there as well. Quick Trip. They'll see you next time. More with Gary Ellerson, our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and sponsored by American Family Insurance. the weird thing about yesterday and and maybe that's not the right choice of words because okay i i I think i should have known better but i think when there's a new coordinator offense defense special teams one of the things that is the focus is obviously the scheme right the system Mm -hmm. what exactly are you going to run what do you what are the core beliefs and the the kind of the tenets of what you want to do as a coordinator and and certainly we got into that with with Halfley eventually but I was I thought it was really interesting that Matt LaFleur went into this process without you know the last time they changed defensive coordinators who changed schemes Mike McCarthy wanted the 3-4 like he he basically said I want the 3-4 and I want the guy who knows the most about it so I'm going to get Dom Capers after he fired Bob Invented it. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the fact that he went into this 
LaFleur did with a different attitude I just thought was fascinating. I want you to hear this because, yes, they're going to run a variation of the Jets, uh, 49ers, Houston Texans with D'Amico Ryans as their head coach now system. And that is important, but I thought it was really interesting how much LaFleur emphasized style of play over scheme of play. I want you to listen to this and tell me what you thought. As an offensive guy, I feel like we can poke holes in every scheme. And I really do believe that. Uh, there's going to be a weakness to every scheme. But so, so to me, when, when I look at and think about great defenses in this league, it, it's a style of play. It's how do these guys attack the football? How do they approach the ball carrier? Um, and how relentless are they playing each and every play? The effort that they give. And... Um, that is definitely a staple of that defense. You know, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's the Jets, watched a lot of Houston over the last few days, and, I mean, they are relentless. Um, it's just it, it comes down to style of play. I'll say this. There aren't many times where I would look at the Packers' defense the last three years and said they were relentless. What do you make of what he said there? Well, I think our attitude change needs to happen defensively and I think that's what they're getting at and that's why if you look at some of the assistants that they hired these guys are high motor guys these guys are a little bit more vocal than what they've had in years past and if you go back and look at San Francisco though although I thought they had the two best linebackers in the game where they can run sideline to sideline to get after you uh, if you look at Bosa uh, as a defensive end over there, he's probably one of the better defensive ends in the game. But mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like Rashawn Gary could be just as good uh, in that same spot if they allow him to be that guy. Um, so I, I think they have the pieces. I think what they're trying to do defensively is a attitude change over there on that side of football, and that's what that and that's what needs to happen. They're, there, there's no mistake that the guys that they are bringing in to coach these guys are, are guys that are very loud, very vocal, not necessarily intimidating, but they're just trying to ramp it up a little bit so you can give them better effort. And I don't think they got that all the time. For, for me, on the defensive side of the ball, it's really about getting to the football. I mean, there's X's and O's and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, you got to find the football and you got to get to it with effort. And a lot of that overcomes a lot of things on the defense side of the ball. If you're lazy, if you're not communicating, then it's not going to work. And that, that seems to have happened a lot last year in Green Bay. That's what so, I make of it. So I know I reference Leroy a lot because you two have been friends for a long time. You did radio together. Yeah. You do TV together. Yeah. But look, the 96... 96- Packers defense that helped them win the Super Bowl was number one in scoring defense, number one in yardage allowed, but more importantly, they had a swagger. They had an attitude. Yeah. They had, you know, the m- multiple Hall of Famers, right, with Leroy and Reggie, and and I'm not saying that, you know, Lucas Van Ness is going to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. So what they need to have is an attitude. And when you talk about that, why is that so important? And why is that so hard to have? Because I agree, 
they didn't seem to have much of an attitude the last three years. And maybe it was the style of play that was part of that. Because the defense, is, I think, is easier to teach. Offense is so much more complex. We always hear coming out of the training camp that the defense is ahead of the offense because the offense got so many plays to put in. There's only so many zone concepts that you can put in as far from a defensive standpoint. As sometimes there's a guy with a football, you need to go get him. And they just didn't have that. I think that's what you're going to see uh, right now uh, from the Packers. They need a attitude change overall on that defensive side of the ball. And I think when you watch – uh, when you watch uh, the 49ers and what they were able to do, absolutely incredible. I don't necessarily think that the Lions' defense is that much better than the Packers, but they flew around. I mean, there was an attitude there with their coaching staff and still by the head coach is that no hole, no holes is barred. And that's what's got to happen, I believe, in Green Bay. You look at Matt LaFleur right now, and I don't think he gets the credit. I think he's one of the brightest minds right now from an offensive standpoint uh, in the NFL. The plays that he designed to get guys open, we saw this from day one. The plays that he designs to get guys open are absolutely incredible. He understands how to expose the defense. And to have him, I think his input is is good, but we don't want Matt LaFleur really on the defensive side of football anymore. We need for him to now let the defense go, let them have it, and continue to be on that offense and continue to make that offense great. So I'm glad you bring that up because, and we won't play the clip, but that was one of the other things that I kind of wanted to get to with LaFleur yesterday because, let's be honest, uh, taking a guy from the college game who was a head coach for four years at Boston College is not necessarily what we were expecting them to do. No. Right? We expected them to take, and look, he interviewed two really good candidates who got defensive coordinator jobs themselves from Baltimore Mm -hmm. in Denard Wilson and Zach Orr, our buddy Chris Orr's older brother. Um, And I'll be honest, I I think he was really, really, really interested in both of them. Um, Mm -hmm. They they. Talk to other NFL assistants. And Jeff Halfley has NFL experience. I'm not saying he doesn't. We all know he coached in Tampa. He coached in San Francisco. I get that. But the decision to go that way, some might argue, you took a guy that's been out of the NFL game who, as Gary pointed out, was excited to be watching film because he was doing so much other stuff while coaching a college program. But on the flip side... He's been a head coach. He's been at the front of the room. And to your point, how valuable is it to have a guy, and this was my point to Matt, now you got a guy who could just basically be the head coach of the defense. And you go from talking about how you need to be more involved with Joe Barry's defense and actually entertaining the idea of not being the offensive play caller because you need to be more involved <laughs> defensively, so now you got a guy who's been a head coach. Just let him run the defense. And you can say what you want and tell him, hey, can we do this and talk to him. But let him do it. That's got to be incredibly valuable, right. doesn't it? You're right. He's got to give it to the defensive coordinator. I mean, I think he's got to know the head coach's concepts and what they want to do. You get that done early on in camp and let this man come in and do his job. I, I, I go back to the, the interview when Matt LaFleur threw out that, I may let someone else call the plays. And my young man that I'm talking to right now, co-host Jason Wood, he goes, hey, wait a minute, you just can't flippantly say that, can you? 
<laughs> you did enjoy that when I did that. Yes, I know. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. And I was like, I was hoping somebody would like, because when I heard him say that, I went, what? And you go, hey, wait a minute. Slow this down. You, do you know what you just said? Right. You're one of the best play callers in the game. You want to, you want to, you want to give up play. Run that back. You're not thinking about that. Right? It, it it was just it was it was ridiculous, <laughs> especially when you look look at what Jordan Love did this season, right? right. They were in, it's and tough. you you know this, and you mentioned Bob <laughs> Schnelker earlier, which you have to be. You know, it, was, yes. it was nice of yeah. you to call me young. I don't because, know Bob because I'm only young compared to you, yeah. but. Bob Schnelker yeah. was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. I remember my grandparents always complaining about his yeah. play calling. So I get it, right? It's not an easy job either. But when you look at what Matt LaFleur did with his first-year starting quarterback and the rhythm that those two were in, why on earth would you entertain that possibility? That was when I <laughs> knew that he wasn't bringing Joe Barry back. When he said that, stop and think about what you're saying, man. <laughs> Best press conference and your moment voice of the year. Got like that high, it was. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you got the high pitched voice. Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> I really. Did. I You're not wrong. That. I really did. That's you how I sounded. That, that um, and Joe Barry explaining what turnovers and takeaways are were the two best press conference moments of the year. Now I'm gonna miss Joe uh, explaining the simple aspects of the game. All right, I, 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 I do think. This is a good time because I want to get into something that our buddy Rob Domofsky wrote uh, about Jordan Love. So we'll use this as a segue right. to talk about what he said, and then we'll circle back to Jeff Halfley and Matt LaFleur during the 11 o'clock hour. But I want to get to this story that Rob did because, um, and Gary knows this better than anyone having played in the league, that every season comes down to a handful of plays. doesn't matter if you were the 1999 team that a young Jason Wilde wrote a story about six plays that defined their season because they were six plays that if they go the other way, Ray Rhodes isn't eight and eight. Ray Rhodes is like yeah. eleven and five and isn't losing his job. But that's how small the margin for error is in the NFL. And there were some plays that Rob wrote about in his piece at ESPN.com about how what defined the season that Jordan Love had because, again, and we saw him throw the interception at the end of the 49ers game, some of those plays go the other way, and we're not looking at Jordan Love through the same lens that we're looking at him through as we get ready for the 2024 season. So we'll talk about that coming up. I want to remind you, usually when the season's going on, we do our Steinhoffel Sleepers of the Week. Not today. We cannot tell a lie. You know where I'm going here. Steinhoffel's best President's Day sale ever has been extended. In addition to incredibly priced bonus buys throughout the store, you'll take 5% off Canadel Dining, 10% off Tiffany Lamps and Area Rugs, and 15% off Ottoman Trays. Plus, use their 18-month 0% APR financing when you spend over $999 or take 5% off and upholstery purchase. There are all kinds of great things going on during the President's Day sale, which has been extended. Whether you're looking for the newest furniture and mattress trends or love the classic looks, Steinhoffels has something for everyone. Shop in-store and online at steinhoffels.com. We'll talk about Jordan Love next with Gary Ellerson, our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better.
This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com. Yesterday with our buddy Rob Domofsky from ESPN.com, and then I spent some time with him at a basketball game, watching his son Roan, who was in double digits, played really well. Preble had a hard time. Uh, hey, did, with are the they Red still Birds. undefeated? They are not. They lost to Wisconsin Lutheran. Uh, and oh, the that, uh, Knipple, the kid. Yes, do Duke commit? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's their only yeah. loss this season, but they are number one in Division One and. Uh, could repeat as WIAA state champs. Jesse, you called one of their games, didn't you? Uh, Strofe did uh, last week. We had oh, that's De- right. We De- had the De- A-team on Yeah, the A-team went right. and did yeah, that game. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. Sumper East-West, which was amazing on Tuesday night. Uh, I got news for everyone as you're filling out your boys' basketball brackets. It's it's De Pere in Division okay. One. It's Wisconsin Lutheran in Division Two. You you take them or the field. This is kind of like when mm-hmm. Kentucky was undefeated or Tiger Woods in his prime. Like it's those two and everybody else in Division One, Division Two. We we, mm. we got no city schools in there. No, no, no. Th- those, those two teams are so like Pewaukee's won it three straight years in D two and oh, yeah. Yep. Wisconsin Lutherans beat them twice already this year. This it's looking right, like a one-two that. punch. It's them and everybody else at the top. Uh, as someone who covered a lot of what high about, school uh, basketball, Auburn, Auburndale, Auburndale no. got in there. They haven't been good since they, they lost their uh, portly center with the great feet. <laughs> Old T. Um, Old T. You know, I was at that game. What? I watched that game at. Uh, oh yes, I was at that game. Did you see a future uh, NFL left uh, NFL right tackle while you were watching that game? Did you think, boy, this guy's got feet. some good feet? He had great feet. Yeah, he had great feet. Yeah, I, I was at that game. I watched that game. Everybody was talking about him there. Everybody uh, knew he was coming to Wisconsin. I I didn't realize that one of the UW Milwaukee assistant coaches on the men's side um, was one of the players that I covered. He played for one of the city schools. I want to say Vincent, maybe. Uh, Winston okay. is his last name. And and I was thinking back to my days of covering the state tournament. I love the boys and girls basketball state tournaments. Uh, turns out I should be yeah. going to them to see what Mark Murphy might say on the television broadcasts. But it's true. But man, this that's is great. True. So I'm looking forward to uh, – Sydney and I are going to go to the girls' games because uh, those are played here in Green Bay at the Resch Center. So I look forward to that. All right, we need to get to yeah. Rob Domovsky's story because, Jesse, you've been pushing this story. I mean, it's on the show sheet every day. And knowing how Tausch is – He doesn't read it. Uh, a, he doesn't read it. And B, it doesn't matter if he did read it because he would talk about something else anyway. 
So what? Okay. tell us a little bit about Rob's story and, and what these plays are that jumped out at you from Rob. So Rob's story, this is all the way from late last week, I think this thing was first published. Seven plays that defined Jordan Love's breakout for the Packers. Seven plays okay. from the season that defined Jordan Love's experience. Here we go. Ooh, the music and everything. Yeah. Play number one, week nine against the Rams. Fourth quarter, second and seven at the 20. Touchdown pass to Luke Musgrave. I was in the stands not sleeping at that game. He finds him over the middle of the field, helps propel the Packers to a much-needed victory after the big losing skid, the October swoon, as Tausch would tell us. That was the one that helped turn the season around. Mm-hmm. Week 12 is play number two. The very first play from scrimmage, touchdown pass to Christian Watson in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. Remember that one. And then he, I think he double dips here. He goes with the second touchdown as well, which came with 12-16 to go in the first quarter. Both of those touchdowns. That one, second one was to Jaden Reed. So, Jesse, I okay. I want to rewind for a second to the to the Rams game because that always gets included mm-hmm. in his kind of run of good play. But it actually is the week before the Pittsburgh game that that happens, if I remember correctly. And while his numbers were good, it was check down city. I, I remember seeing Gary in the press box at that game. And, you know, they won. But had Matthew Stafford played... I still think they lose that game. The Rams scored three points. They were terrible. I mean, awful offensively. Yeah, they were bad. So bad. So bad that their quarterback, <laughs> Brett Rippon, is that who he was? That's who it was. Uh, they cut him two days later. Like, he started a game, and then two days later, he's no longer on the roster. So yeah, no, you, well, no, you can't do it. No, well, right. well, 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 that might have been a good throw in that on that touchdown, and it is part of him building the momentum he had at the end of the season. I'm sorry. He didn't take off until the game in which he threw two picks, but he played way different, and that was in Pittsburgh. You may continue. <laughs> Week 13, a pair of plays against the Kansas City Chiefs with Taylor Swift in attendance, the Super Bowl champions. Third quarter, fourth and one from the Chiefs, 44. Throws a 33-yard pass to Romeo Dobbs. And then second and goal from the Chiefs, 12. Touchdown to Christian Watson. Amazing play in the end zone that helps propel the Packers to that huge Sunday night victory, which really helped propel the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It's true. Week 15, in a loss to Tampa, that incredible touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone to Jaden Reed, tiptoeing the sidelines. We, that but, was a hell of a That play. was his best wow play yeah, of the year, right? We all agree on that. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Then the last one from Rob in the wild card round of the playoffs, second quarter, third and seven at the Cowboys 20. The touchdown pass to Dontavian Wicks, left side of the field, similar to that Jaden Reed play against the Buccaneers, tiptoeing on the sideline, heck of a play, heck of a touchdown, kind of an exclamation point on what was an outstanding first half in Dallas for the Green Bay Packers. Those, per Rob Domofsky, the seven plays that defined Jordan Love's success with the Green Bay Packers in 2023. 
So, Gary, when you think back to this season, and, and those that was a good way to kind of go through some of the best moments, but when you think back to how he looked at the beginning of the year uh, and the indecisiveness, the inaccuracy, and then the way he looked at the end of the year to the point where, and I keep saying this, but it's true, he was so good that when he made a first-year starter type of mistake when he threw that pick at the end of the 49ers game, we were all shocked because we thought he was too good to make that kind of mistake. That's how far he'd come. Take us back to what you were thinking as you watched him early in the year and how that evolved for you, knowing the game the way you do, as you watched him progress throughout the season. I think the one thing that I hung my hat on is that Dude never changed. I mean, his attitude never changed. He never got – it felt like the moment was never too big for him. Even at 2-5, and five, he never changed who he was, even during the game. And that there was no real frustration about him. A, a lot of times you see these young quarterbacks struggle like that. I mean, you, you see them they, – they, they maybe throw their helmet or, or maybe you just see this scowl on, it, on their faces – Dude never change. And to me, I think when we go back and look at that whole season, from what he was at the beginning to where he ended up, he was still the same guy when he had all the success that he had. And to me, that's when I thought, I said, you know what? We may have something here. You're coming in after Aaron Rodgers and trying to prove who you are and still maintain your calm composure because there's got to be a lot of pressure on Mm. this young man to do and to perform well just on the Aaron Rodgers factor alone not not because he's a good quarterback but just on that because the the, the Packers decided to move on and the guy never wavered now one play I would say to me that I thought was absolutely incredible I believe it was Kansas City I'm not exactly sure but maybe you remember the throw it was two Romeo Dobbs in the middle of the field. And it looked like it was going to be like a lollipop. And that ball dropped around like three players in the middle of the field. And I'm saying to myself, no, no, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. All they showed was a quarterback. And then the, the camera moved, and you can see this ball come down between like three, four players, and the only one person could catch it and did, and that was Dobbs. And then I asked myself, did he throw that up? Or was that for real? Then well, you know what? He knew what he was doing. That's how good of the throws that he was making uh uh later on in the season. It was unbelievable. Right. And and I just, you know, Matt LaFleur always loves to say indecisive equals ineffective. But he was indecisive. Right. And he admitted that, you know, he did a few different interviews at the Super Bowl. And and he finally, both he and Matt LaFleur, in their own ways, said, we got to let it rip. Matt LaFleur did right. it as a play caller. Jordan Love did it as a thrower. And everything changed. And now we're looking at him as one of the top uh, projected candidates for MVP. We're talking about the Packers as a Super Bowl contender. And when they were 2-5 and five, <clears throat> and trading Russell Douglas, uh, you would have never thought you'd be saying that about them. And instead... We saw what happened in the second half of the season, and we have a totally different outlook on next year. Right. All right, we need to play some trivia. Right. Okay. Jesse, what's, what's today's 
What's today's category, and what color would you like? I knew we were going to go heavy Packers. Big conversation today, so I went back to my wheelhouse, selfishly. Okay. The Jesse Special, State Capitals, is today's trivia category. Oh, my God. Totally off the board. We're going State Capitals. <laughs> All right. What color would you like? Color 50? Uh, we just did Jordan Love's seven great plays. Let's do caller number seven. All right. Caller seven right now, 844-770-3776. 844-770-3776. We will play trivia with the seventh caller. Next, with Gary Ellerson as our cousin sub of the day, it's Wildey and Tausch. You're listening to Wildey and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Missed any of the show? Find us on Wisconsin On Demand wherever you get your podcasts. It's free, it's everywhere, and it's for you. For trivia. All right, here's what we're going to do. Because Gary is such an esteemed cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. We are going to give him the Royal Tausch treatment for trivia. Uh-oh. So here's okay. what that means. Now you're going to like it. That means you don't... You, you, okay. Because Tausch loves it when he doesn't have to do much work. Uh, so, <laughs> what we're going to do is, I'll I'll handle all the questions. This is what we do with Tausch uh, okay. when he's... when he's Especially when we do Wisconsin Geography trivia. But eh, at yeah. other times, too. I'll handle all the questions. <laughs> the contestant, who we will welcome in momentarily, will answer. Uh-huh. And then you okay. will have... Your opportunity to agree or disagree with his choice. Kind of like the old Hollywood squares. Circle gets the square. We'll see if you and our contestant end up on the same page. Now, you're not allowed to help him come up with his answer, but once he's committed, we'll see if you're on the same page with him. Because, from what I understand, you're both from the same area these days. It is Hugh in Waukesha. Hugh, good morning. How are you? Good. Good morning. You are. I'm being told not only are you a first-time contestant, but the category is state capitals, and your favorite trivia question is about a state capital. This is true. Well, you got to tell us. You got to ask the trivia question. You do not get extra entries for this, <laughs> of course, because Tausch loves to give those away as well. What's your favorite trivia question? There is one state capital that shares no letters with the state that it's the capital of. What is it? Oh, wow. Indianapolis. Oh, wait. No, that's the opposite. (laughs) Uh, I have Hugh. Tell us the answer. Well, a rookie tight end for the Packers would know this. It's Pierre, South Dakota. Places, South Dakota. Oh, wow. That's 
Uh, wow. Couldn't have drawn that up any better. That's no, funny that wow. you mentioned that, Hugh. <laughs> wow. Because, wow. because and we got a surprise for you. <laughs> because let me ask yes. you question number one now. Yes. This is yes. unbelievable. Jesus. Question is. number they one, Hugh, up. is this. What is the capital of South Dakota? Uh, is it uh, Pierre, Rapid City, or Jackrabbitsville? I'm pretty sure it's Pierre, which shares no letters with the state that it's the capital of. That's what I've been hearing. <laughs> nice. You're one for That's one. And, and, and you were one for one before question one had even been asked. So well done. That's a first. <laughs> now, do I say do I say I agree here? This is why I jump you can't, in here or you, If you'd like to agree here, yes, no. that would probably be wise I, for what I could tell. Why I jump in? Okay. Come on board. I agree. Come on board. Here we go. I agree. Well done, Gary. Good work. All right, question yeah, two yeah, to both you. of you. Sure. Latitudinally. That's a big word. It is a big word. Which of these state capitals is located farthest north? Farthest north, Hugh. Is it Indianapolis, Indiana? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania? Or Des Moines, Iowa? Uh, Des Moines. Okay. Jesse, let's see now. Gary, do you agree? Your choices are Indianapolis, Harrisburg, or Des Moines. Did did uh, did my good friend say uh, uh, Des Moines? Yeah, he did. He did. He say, did say Des Moines. We accept all forms of pronunciation for Des Moines. Des Moines. Is it Des Moines or, or Des Moines? Which one is it? Des or Des? I agree. I would have gotten this one wrong. I would have said Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I'd have been wrong. No. No? Uh, you're right. I I know that now. Come on, Jason. North, north is a key word. Well, Gary, Gary, and Hugh are like uh, Gary Ellis and Eddie Lee Ivory in the backfield together. They're in yeah. sync. Jesse Clark, yeah, all of us. Yeah. Question three: As you go for a perfect score, with or without Gary's help, Hugh is this populationally? That's which I don't even word. know if that's a word. Is that a word? Yeah. It did not spell check to say it was incorrect. Okay. Populationally. Which of these state capitals is the largest? Largest population among these state capitals. Is it Bismarck, North Dakota, Salem, Oregon, or Cheyenne, Wyoming? Salem, Oregon. Is this question? Gary, agree or disagree with this question with going to you? Sa- Salem, Oregon. Did you say Salem? You has locked is in that Salem. They do? Yes. Is that witchcraft? Is that where the witchcraft <laughs> come in at, or do we know? Now, that's the other coast. No? It's a different Salem, yes. <laughs> but Salem, Salem Mass. Isn't it? It, is, it is close to What's Eugene, Oregon. I know that for a fact. Is it right. populationally, do you agree with Hugh that that is the one with the highest population among those three? Yeah, I, I agree with Hugh. 
It's a good decision. Hugh knows his stuff. Three for three, Hugh. You've got right. four entries. I can't guarantee that Jesse will remember to draw a winner later in the show, but if he does, good <laughs> luck with you being that person. Thanks for playing, buddy. We appreciate you. Thanks, Hugh. All right, thank you. Je- uh, Gary, you'll see Hugh around Waukesha yeah. at some point, I'm sure. All right, that yeah. is true. Yeah, we'll see him downtown. Uh, you're out and about. Yep, you're a man about town. Yeah. Uh, we'll kick yeah. off the 11 o'clock hour. We'll get back to the Packers and Matt LaFleur and Jeff Halfley and everything that transpired yesterday. Next. Mm-hmm. So stick around. It's Will Dean's house.